My name's Sam Towns. I'm Alex Norton. And I'm Niels for the back. That's right. We've He's got back. Niels back. <laughs> Our most regular guest on the show. That's it. Yeah, on this one, I, I must say that I kind of coerced the guys, yeah? So uh, it's all on me, man. <laughs> Our biggest repeat offender. Yeah, I accidentally <laughs> dropped five knives um, the other day and they landed in a pentagram on the floor and Niels just appeared on the show. That's, That's going to happen, Something man. That's going to happen. <laughs> Before we get to into the madness that will be this episode, I am sure, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. Today's Forgecast is brought to you thanks to Rob at Weber Abrasives. So hit them up at webers.net.au the next time you're stocking up. And while you're shopping, make sure to visit nordicedge.com.au for the best supply of knife-making tools, steels, and other materials around shipping Australia-wide and abroad. Da-dum-dum. Yes. Da-dum-dum. <laughs> So speaking of Nordic Edge, man. Oh, yeah? I I, I still rock about their Fall Guides, yeah. The best in the world. Damn, buddy. That's why I now own two of them. Oh, yeah? (laughs) I'm not even kidding, man. You've got to bump those numbers up. No, no. I've been trying to. Total Fall Guides. I've got nine of them. Um, I've decided that I'm now a collector of Fall Guides. I've been trying to schmooze them to uh, come out with a new model uh, for folding knife makers that's half the width. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it, it just makes the whole handling of it so much easier. As, um, but I, I, yeah, I love it. The precision, I've been just hammering mine now for like two years and it's still just as precise as the day I got it. Yeah. I'm not supposed um, to use hammers on your file guards. Just, yeah, just... Not with that attitude. <laughs> well done, Sam. I can tell you one thing, though. Um, carbide, the, the, those carbide plates on the file guard, they do not stand up to diamond. Yeah. So if You're anyone right. was thinking that uh, you can use diamond burrs and work like your ass, uh, yeah, don't do that. Because <laughs> I now have a, a set of replacement uh, carbide plates on the way yep. to me. <laughs> well, that's one of the advantages of the Nordic Edge file guide is that they are screwed on, so you can get yeah. replacements. Yeah, None man, you can get completely nonsense. screwed with Nordic. <laughs> <laughs> Very precisely the thing, screwed. The only thing they won't screw you on is the prices. <laughs> <laughs> How's that oh, for a sponsor message? Sorry, guys. That's the, that is the longest advertisement section we've had for Nordic Edge. <laughs> Oh, sec- a bonus second longest. Um... There was the incident that Björn oh. has still not brought up with us. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're just really ringing it for, for all it's worth. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. So what have you been up to this week, Sam? Dying. Dying in the heat again. Careful, we've you got know, somebody from Africa on the show. I, I don't care. It's been <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> It has been absolutely disgusting here in the shop the, the last few days. It hasn't helped. Like today, I was running both forges, uh, both of my gas forges, because I had two Damascus billets to do, and I needed to get them both done on the at the same time. 
because I'm running out of time to do all this stuff and also make money. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was going to say that you look a little a bit slimmer there, Sam. Yeah, I was, you know, like just yeah, you lost just about twenty liters of water weight, sweating my body weight. <laughs> That's it. Just, just like who needs a sauna? Just stand out in the workshop for a few hours. Exactly, man. It's also good for after washing. Yeah. yeah so do your clothes. Yeah, sure. Do the washing. Put on the clothes and just go stand in front of the sauce. The <laughs> Works a charm, yeah. buddy. Sure. How did you but get anyway. married, Niels? <laughs> <laughs> that's why halfway my between wife... the washing machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, halfway between the, the washing machine and that, the shop. That's the reason, if I haven't told you guys, why my wife is no longer included in uh, life-altering decisions. Yeah. <laughs> so it's me and the boys, and we'll make the decision, and then we'll let my wife know because she has got a bit of a track record. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, sure. Number one, she married me. She said yes. <laughs> So all other decisions are now kind of in limbo. <laughs> Everything has everything's suspect yeah. now. That's so it. sorry, Sam. No, you're good, mate. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, just been making Damascus. So I made a billet of crushed W's to twist to then turn into a billet that I'm going to turn into some scissors, which Grace Horn is going to then work on. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I got the billet forged out today, finished up, ground off all of the excess weird shit that comes with twisting a billet, and now I've just got to forge them into some scissors, which is causing me no amount of stress at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I need to forge these so that Grace can work on them. Oh, crap. I need to make sure that I actually forge these well. Um, but uh, on top of that, I forged two sword billets. I should have only forged one. But um, I decided that I'd start with four pounds of material because I was thinking, yeah, I'll lose about a pound to scale. Three pounds of bar is going to be more than enough for a sword because a sword only needs to weigh about 650 grams, which is like just a little bit over a pound and a half. Unfortunately, what I didn't factor in is the fact that it's made out of Damascus, so I can't forge it to shape. I need to forge it to like basically to profile and then grind it out in order to get the Damascus pattern to show up. Uh, and so I need a billet, I need a bar about four pounds heavy. So when I finally finished the bar of Damascus, it was only three, three pounds. So I had to start a new one and I started with six pounds this time, <laughs> which is the largest billet I've made to this, um, to this, uh, stage. And, uh, yeah, got, got that all forged out and finished today. It's in a bar form now. I haven't forged out the sword blank yet, but, uh, I think I've got enough material. I think I'll be all what? right. The, what what's the what sword are you making, buddy? I'm making a Damascus Viking sword, so it's a yeah Peterson type mm. L, um, and it's going to have engraved uh, fittings and all that kind of stuff. It's my first real big commission. Um, it was commissioned by a friend of mine uh, who knew that I wanted to get into sword making, and he decided that he wanted to kind of spur my you know spur my work job into into action so it's been really good unfortunately this is the, going to be the third time i've tried to make the blade uh, it reminds so... me of this fella i used to know back home fell off a 10-story building and people on every floor kept hearing him say so far so good <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> that has been my life <laughs> man so uh but yeah, that's uh, that's some that's of the right. temperature readings that you have been showing in your workshop are frankly terrifying. <laughs> yeah, 
I have to admit, it is really funny seeing some people's reactions when I like go outside and just stick the digital thermometer on the on the uh, piece of steel that's lying out in the sun, and it's like 85, 90 degrees. <laughs> and they're like, why are you out in the shed right now? What are you doing? <laughs> like, yep. It's fine. It's Australia. Yeah, Welcome to it. it. It's a standard summer's, late summer's day. We're going into autumn now, so that's kind yeah. of what oh, we're Oh, it cannot come fast enough. I am an autumn the- fella. The worst yeah. part has been the extra, um, the extra moisture we've had in the air. Like the humidity's been up in the fifties, sixties. Oh, that's what kills you, man. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. It's like when I walk out of the, of the door. Like I've got the aircon running twenty four seven at the moment. When you walk out the door, it's like walking into a wall of water, just superheated <sighs> water. It's great fun. <laughs> Swim so, to the workshop. Yeah, it's not seriously. <laughs> I just, you know, like I need to, I need to fit a scuba tank to my to my fucking Versaflow. <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, no. So that's been basically basically taking up all of my time is just preparing this sword billet and the other billets for other stuff, um, and making this thing for Grace, which is going to be amazing when it's done. I mean, um, it's not every day you get to do a collaboration with Grace Horn. On scissors, exactly, no less. Man. Exactly. No, that's it. Like, um, I actually messaged Grace about it because I was like, wait, I didn't ask her if it was okay for me to send her Damascus. Like, I'm not sure how much she's going to want to work on these <laughs> because they're not being sold. They're being sent back to me. And so I sent her a message going, ah, Grace, by the way, are you okay with making Damascus scissors? <laughs> and she's like, go nuts. Just do whatever you want to do. <laughs> and I was like, sweet. Cool, twisted, awesome, twisted, man. crushed W's. That's what I we're am, doing. I am desperately envious of you during this. Just <laughs> please know that, that, that I makes am two of us hugely man. envious. Yeah, oh, man, that, I am. I am jealous us. of myself, to be honest. <laughs> 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 I have to pinch myself occasionally, but it is also terrifying because I'm like, I do not want to stuff this up. <laughs> but, you won't, um, brother. You won't. You won't. You'll we'll smash it. We'll yeah, get exactly. There. I am filming the making of the of the billets that I'm going to. Well, I'm sending the uh, the parts to Grace. So. Oh, excellent! Yeah, I've got to make some content. I was filming the making of the Viking sword, but then I realized that I was filming the making of the first billet, which isn't going to be a Viking sword anymore. Mm. <laughs> so that's going to be something else, which will be a video in another time. Uh, but I have another bunch of videos to film about uh, engraving and stuff like that. Um, but enough about me. My song um, of the week, however. Um, is is about that thing that we all hate, but we also all need in our lives. Um, it's by a singer named Chris Jansen. I'm going back to my country roots again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Buy Me a Boat. Right. And it's all about how money may be, you know, like money may suck, but it can buy me a boat. <laughs> <laughs> And like, while I'm not looking for a boat right now, when people are like, oh, money's the root of all evil, I'm like, yes, but it could buy me a workshop. (laughs) With a boat. Exactly, with a boat, yeah. (laughs) A boat is really important. Exactly, man, exactly. Yeah, I mean, at least I'm near the shore, near the the coast, so, you know, I could actually use a boat. You know, if 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 I was based out in Alice Springs, it might be a bit different. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm like a but then, ten minute drive then, from the sea, but then you would be the only guy in like a 200 kilometer radius that's got a boat. Well, yeah. this is also true. I mean, it would be a hell of a flex. Exactly. I'm in <laughs> Alice Springs, and I've got a boat. 
and and it'd have to be like a seventy foot yacht, you know, like Sail just the sitting the sea. <laughs> exactly, man, just sitting sitting out the front of my house. <laughs> anyway, with that being said, what have you been up to this week, Alex? I know what you've been up to, but tell everyone else. Yeah, I finished the um, the Switchblade for Koi Baker. Um, yeah, with the, it looks sweet. Bolt up cottonwood burl handles. It um, it was a hell of a build. So let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I'm glad, kind of glad it's done, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I had a lot of fun making it. So um, it'll be going off to uh, Koi Baker all the way over in the states, and um, it will be sort of a business card for what his steel can turn into. Oh, uh, excellent! The plan for it. The thing that got me with that was the the action that 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 snap when it opens. It's crispy. Oh, I I would not be able to put it down. Like that would, that would be my only problem. The um, <laughs> amount of work I put into tuning that to get just the sound mm-hmm. right, like the function was fine. It opened fine mm-hmm. every time, and, and I'm like, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> I <laughs> wanted to, to sound mean. <laughs> um, and actually, it has um, a um, what's the best way to describe it? Would be like a rattler mechanism in it. That actually, it's it's like um, I got inspiration from those you know those musical instruments. It's like a fish with a like oh, yeah. the ribbed texture, and you've got the stick that goes like over the, it. Oh yeah, I think I had like yeah. a ste- stegosaurus. Yeah, as it opens, a system of um, ball bearings actually runs over ridges to make it go. <laughs> <laughs> what? Awesome. So it just, sounds mean. Just, just you're because insane, you can. brother. Because I can. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what we do. Because what we do is because we can, right? And yeah, honestly, well, when it. you're gonna, but if you're gonna own a switchblade, you want a switchblade that sounds awesome. Plus, I'm not, I'm not making it a habit to make switchblades because I live in Australia. So this is like yeah. my only chance to get to do one. And I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn as much as I can on this build. <laughs> yeah, man. And Koi's cool. been super patient um, and happy to have me take my time with it. So I just use it as a chance to just go all out and learn a heap. Um, if I did it over again, like most knives, it would probably end up totally different um, with what I learned from the process. But um, Koi loves it. He's he's absolutely over the moon with it, and that's the the important thing. Um, so he bloody so, should. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully it's it works as a as a nice business card for what his steel can look like. And that's the the second big name with a piece of Kumai from you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Neil's though has the first or his wife has the first My wife Kumai. has got dude. Boy, yeah. I have come so far since then. I really <laughs> wanna just like scoop that up and remake it. <laughs> Neil's is just gonna like I, Neil's I, wife I is just gonna just... open a drawer one day and it's gonna be gone. <laughs> I, I might just have to post a photo. Of that guy, yeah. <laughs> the um, well, I'll I'll need to get it out of my wife's uh, safe because uh, she. <laughs> it is not like all the other knives in my cupboard. <laughs> so I've I've got a, a bedside table. Well, it's not a bedside table. It's like a dining room side table mm-hmm. with all my knives in there, um, and we, oh. they they all get used. And uh, that guy, your knife, is not in there. So she is hiding it from me. <laughs> With good reason, I think. It's special. It, um, yeah, it probably needs to be hidden. That thing caused a shitstorm of ungodly proportions <laughs> when, it, when that went out. I love it. I just yes, love it, it so much. You, I just you let it, are, let it awesome, wash right? over me. 
Uh, anyone who has watched his hell. most recent video knows how much he likes to shit stir. Oh, man. Both figuratively <laughs> and literally. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't want to know what I'm talking about, watch the end of that video, the outro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as uh, most people have heard me constantly talking about lately, I'm tooling up in a big way. Um, I've got, uh, it's, I'm at a really frustrating point because I ordered a mill finally. Um, and all the tooling with it. All of the tooling has arrived, but not the mill yet. <laughs> so I've got buckets of these amazing vices and, and you know, parallel sets and one, two, three blocks and measuring tools and all that, but no mill to use them on. I've even got like <laughs> ER32 collet sets and nothing to plug them into. So I'm blue balled uh, for my mill. Uh, don't worry. Um, don't worry. It'll get yeah, there, and, and when it does, you're gonna lose like a week, man. Seriously, oh man, There's no I'm, knife making, I'm... just just organizing the mill, getting that set up, um, and yeah. then milling everything that you can get your hands on. Well, this is just a, a small watchmaker's mill, um, but even that on its own is just gonna open up so many doors for what I can do, um, and it's it's just all about bettering myself, skilling up, being able to do more. And um, I'm, I'm so excited to have it. Just getting a lathe in the shop uh, opens so many doors for me, more than I realized before I ordered the, the lathe. Uh, so to have the mill as well, it's going to be a much longer journey to get used to using it though. Um, but yeah, um, I'm really excited about it. Very, very excited. Um, and You're gonna have fun. then I'm... Then I'm um, after now, now the Koi's knife's finished. I'm going back to working on Tusk, that uh, frame lock folder that's uh, entirely Damascus frame with mammoth ivory scales, Mokimagane bolster, and uh, copper shichimai blade. Um, that is a it, it is it has always been an insane project from the get go, uh, but it's good to get back to it. It has been sitting in one of the the knife rolls that my wife and I designed um, for weeks while I've been working on other projects, and I've secretly been dreading opening it up again, thinking that I've learned so much because I do try to learn as much as I can on each build. That when I open this up again, I'm going to look at it, I'm going to hate every aspect of it, and want to start again. But I genuinely really love it. I love the proportions. I love the flow. I love the design. And so it was a big sigh of relief Excellent. on it. I can ha happily go back into it and not uh, not hate every moment of it. <laughs> okay, so here is a, a, a new insert insert called Educate Niels. What the mm. hell is Shichimai? It is seven layers. So Sanmai is three layers. Yeah. Gomai is five layers. Shichimai is seven layers. Shichi. Yeah. Because yeah, the, the Mai is Japan, Japanese yeah, for layers. Each so. ni san chi san go, shi, roku. go roku hachi shichi kyojo. Okay. Uh, shichi yeah, shichi like, hachi kyojo. I can't yeah. count in Japanese anymore. So this is uh, eight, 80 CRV2 core flanked with copper, flanked with high layer Damascus, and then flanked with wrought iron. Excellent. Although if you learn modern um, modern Japanese, they do not use shi for uh, three or shichi for seven anymore. Um, Just in case you is... didn't know, Sam's a weeb. 
Yeah, and sheet <laughs> means uh, sheen or sheet means death in Japanese. So um, they actually well, it's for a it. knife. So I suppose that kind of works still. <laughs> Applicable. Yeah. Stabby, Do steak knife. Before we move yeah. on just for a second, can you guys tell if I'm recording or not? Because I'm not seeing any audio bounce. Yeah, all of your recordings sleep. are coming through. Good, just checking. There's a yeah. lot of stuff movement on my screen. I've got no clue, buddy. But it looks good. Woo-hoo! This system so, hasn't missed a beat yet. So. My, my, my audio just like is a flat line on my screen. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> not again. Well, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> Um, my song of the week uh, this week is an oldie but a goldie. I've been, um, for a while, I've, I wanted to rebuild a playlist of all the music I liked growing up in the 90s. Um, <laughs> all the stuff that I heard on the radio and that, like the Triple J Hottest 100 and all that sort of thing. Um, but I had trouble actually remembering all of them. It's one of those things, you know, as, a, as a kid, little kid, I didn't think of the names of songs or the names of artists. I just knew the song. I'd hear the song. I'd think, oh, I love this song. Yeah. Uh, so trying to remember them all to build a playlist was hard. So I did my best and I built a playlist, but then over the next several weeks would remember another one that needed totally needed to be on the list and I'd add that and add that. And I'd been, I've been doing that for months now, building this playlist. And I thought I was good and done and I'd remembered them all. And then I remembered the last one, which I uh, I hadn't thought of or heard in at least a decade, um, but I knew as soon as I remembered it that it absolutely had to be on the list. Um, and it's by a band called La Tigra, and the song is called Decepticon. It's uh, an absolute bop. <laughs> it's mm. just an earworm that lives in your head. Uh, it was very popular on TV ads in Australia, at least back in the 90s when it came out. Um, yep. And, yeah, it, it's actually a genuinely good song. And I totally had forgotten that it existed. And then I heard it again somewhere, browsing YouTube, I heard it again. And, um, yeah, it just it all came flooding back how much I love this song. So it, uh, it's, been, it's been in my ears quite a bit the last week. I am going to have to go and have a look, at, listen at that. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. have got no idea, man. Obviously, yeah. not being in Australia. Yeah. Well, they're not an Australian band, so I'm oh. not sure what their proliferation was elsewhere in the world. So, it's, but I mean, um, the, a song with a title. Uh, what's it? Decepticon. Like Decepticon. The, like the Transformers. Yeah, you, you would have. I would have remembered that because I was no. a huge, a huge Transformer fan, man. Well, it's I still a really, it's a different song. It's kind of got punk vibes to it, to be honest. But it's sort of like if you would have, it's if you would merge bubblegum pop and punk together, that's kind of what the song is. It's weird. I do not like any other song by La Tigra. I thought, wow, this song's amazing. I got to look up the rest of their stuff. Don't do it. It's terrible. <laughs> but Thank they you for the heads up, man. They struck gold with this one song. <laughs> <laughs> but what about you, Niels? What have you been up to this week? Oh, man. Uh, trying to survive the madness that is Black Dragon Forge here. Um, so uh, <laughs> we have been... This week has been, been an exceptionally mad one. We, we obviously build forges. Um, we build forges on a weekly basis. We uh, did 50 burners 
um, on top of the the kind of production schedule we have for Forges this week, um, as well as I realized with a shock um, on Tuesday that uh, I have only five smelting furnaces in stock. Um, and those are, we sell about five a week. So, um, yeah, man. That was a bit of a mad rush getting uh, the laser cutting ordered on them and getting refractory cement because it's a special mix that I ordered. Getting those that in, um, and uh, yeah, and then mm-hmm. obviously trying to make knives in between, which has not happened this week. Yeah. And all the laser work you've been doing with those divider yeah, yeah, plates, yeah. which look amazing. And then I launched the divider plates on Monday, which is absolutely freaking awesome. The uptake uh, internationally has just been ridiculous, man. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. I appreciate that. Um, we'll have to get some into Nordic Edge. Yeah, <laughs> man. I will need to send you guys two at least. At least. Oh, at least. yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I've, I've shipped up to <laughs> yesterday. We shipped, uh, I think it was something stupid like 68. Oh, wow. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is just ridiculous. You'd pretty much Absolutely just be ridiculous. dropping them out of the laser burner into <laughs> an envelope. Just yeah, Yes and no. So this morning... Uh, <laughs> After packing yesterday's order, um, I uh, spent a bit of time last night and I did another, I think it was 46, which my guys cleaned up this morning and packaged. So uh, I finally have a bit of stock on that. So that's well, been good. Every, everybody's going to need to get one because the 48-hour dagger challenge is going to be coming up around August. So, Ooh, hold on. I have got another little thing that's at my laser cutting guy at the moment that uh, might make your life a hell of a lot easier. It's based on, uh, uh, obviously, work done by Master Smith Kevin Cashin, who has been my biggest... uh, Well, he is my inspiration, by the way. Um, So he kind of, between him and Master Smith Kevin Harvey, um, they are the reason I kind of make daggers here. But Kevin did a presentation... Uh, a couple of years ago, and this is, uh, I'd say about eight to 10 years ago. Um, and while he was traveling, he was trying to figure out a way to do and to demonstrate those flutings um, really quickly. And he came up with these little square blocks that you put onto a threaded rod with your handle in between um, and then lace um, bungee cord or something in there and you just twist them. Zip, and oh, there tw- you go. Yeah. 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 Um, so I had, uh, I made a couple of those a couple of years ago, um, just out of MDF. Uh, so I had them laser cut out of super glue. Ah, super wood, not super glue. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but, but now I'm doing them out of metal. Um, so two millimeter thick mild steel. And we're doing, in one version, you could do six and eight flutes. Um, so very nice. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll, that'll probably hit my shop by mid next week and then uh, I saw uh, Michelle Swan plan. using a homemade one of those during the last 48 hour dagger challenge yes sir. but that is yeah, a, a did, really quick way job. of doing it and uh, if, if you're not too concerned about getting things absolutely up to like a, a hundredth of a millimeter then yeah that'll work just do a quick layout that'll work charm man mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the man yeah. with the tools yeah I do uh, like but aside from that you're making making knives recently because all i saw was an ice pick (laughs) (laughs) the the, the ice pick is once again in pieces um so funny story (laughs) it's uh for knife making would you reckon that being able to count is fairly um uh, mandatory apparently count by the way as long as as you can count about your fingers (laughs) i I couldn't count in japanese um and uh, i was under the impression that I could at least in English count to 10, uh, but I can't mm. apparently distinguish between 8 and 6. 
So I did a poll right. yesterday <laughs> for uh, that little uh, ice pick, and uh, on the on the shank of the blade itself, there's an eight faceted uh, taper. All right, um, and I looked at it and think, hey, six. So I divided the pommel into six seasons <laughs> up to like nine o'clock last night, finished the pommel and uh, went to show my wife. And she reckons, was this intentional? I'm going, what intentional? Because why have you got six and eight matching up and not eight and eight or six and six? And it took me quite a while to figure out what the heck this chick was on about, right? And eventually she, she kind of realized I'm not getting this. And she pointed out, look there, eight. Look at this one, six. And I'm going, damn. <laughs> All right, so I've got a spare now, pommel for a future dagger, yeah. and uh, spent <laughs> spent today doing a new pommel, and then decided uh, when, once I had that little pommel done that I'm actually going to not make it a a ice pick. I am actually going to make it a stiletto dagger. So I did a a funky little guard, uh, so mm-hmm. cross guard for it. Yeah. See, so, after uh, that story, yeah, man. All I wanted, all I want to see is Alex doing a like a. Six-legged octopus and a six-legged spider, and just going Vandenberg creatures. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so uh, we all now know that it is extremely important uh, to be able to count. Uh, but at least as high as a hammer count. is more important. There. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. So aside from that, um, trying to get knives out because I've got a, a private show next week, Friday, and I have got zero knives. And do you have uh, aspirations on Blade Show at all? Like, yes, the... sir. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Blade Show. If if the planets align and I can actually get in, which uh, the, the, the US is open to South Africans, so the guys are going to Blade Show West, uh, which is I think it's in, in two weeks or three weeks. I might be wrong, uh, but it's like around the corner. I can't go because I've got two corporates um, that use me for uh, their internal training. So um, I've got two dates and it's the Friday and the Saturday of Blade Show West. Otherwise, I would have been there. But I've already spent their money and I spent their money today tooling up (laughs) and I bought another laser. <laughs> and this one being a CO2 there's only one laser. thing better than a there's only one that thing one better layer. than a laser and that's two lasers two la- exactly <laughs> brother exactly yeah I'm having no, so but, much fun with but, these freaking lasers you need to, then you need to have sharks to mount them on their heads yeah that's right sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads <laughs> And that, that Austin Powers reference has just gone straight over Niels' head. Yeah, but that was a couple of years ago, right? But yes, yeah, so one or two. I've ordered it. I'm, I'm going to go pick it up tomorrow morning. And then, uh, well, there goes the rest of my weekend. Trying to figure out where how that thing works. But anyway, uh, aside from that, I have got a dagger in progress, which has now been in progress for a total of three weeks. Uh, everything is pretty much done. I need to do the ring on the Quillen Guard. Uh, so the guard ring needs to be redesigned because I'm not happy with that. And uh, the blade is heat treated. I just now need to grind it. So hopefully by uh, next week, Tuesday, I should have um, a stiletto and a dagger done. But that's about it. Well, so you, that's the aim. You need you need to save up your pennies so that you can book your Australian tour as well. Mm. Yeah, buddy. As soon as I've been in the States. Um, so Blade Show, that, that is the first trip I do. Um, and uh, as soon as we're back from that, then my wife has got two trips she needs to do. And then the, the rest of the year is open. Yeah. Mm. As long as I'm back by December for the Brooklyn Knife Show, life is good. 
Mm-hmm. There you go. But it is on the cards. It is on the cards. So Look once again, the it. planets align. I might be doing a, a trip down under. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And with the end of your What Have You Been Doing This Week, uh, have you got a song for us? Yes, I do. Uh, it's called People Are Strange by The Doors. Yeah. Ain't that true. Song. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so I don't know if this is a worldwide phenomenon, but uh, in South Africa, if it rains, uh, competent drivers turn to absolute mumbling <laughs> idiots. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. But he takes a couple of drops too. Damn, man. Um, and I, I, I generally don't go anywhere. Um, I like living under my rock. Um, and uh, so the last two weeks I've been on the road quite a bit. And uh, man, it's like everyone and their dogs all of a sudden have got licenses um, and have got cars <laughs> and they drive like freaking maniacs. <laughs> and it's, it's oh, true. But anyway, so I think that is fitting. People are strange by the doors. I'm a big doors fan. It doesn't. It doesn't take rain for, for that to happen here in Perth. The, the, that's just the, the general run <laughs> of drivers in Perth. Uh, the coolest one I had, well, the coolest, the, the, the scariest one I had uh, was on Monday. Um, I was driving, and it's a single lane road. Yeah. So you go well, double lane. So single lane, one in each direction. Yeah. Um, and I was driving in within the speed limit, and I had two cars overtake me, one on the left <laughs> And one on the right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Dude, there isn't space for three cars on this road, right? <laughs> so, it, but yeah, that, that was the best I've ever seen. Um, and it was, man, I just slammed on the brakes. Uh, poor Sean, he was uh, face smashed up on the dashboard. It <laughs> 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 okay. knocked some sense into him. It doesn't help, man. I've tried his entire life. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad he's hey, not here. <laughs> when all else fails, just get a bigger hammer. You know, just... <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you can't, if you can't fix your problem with a hammer, you're not using a big enough hammer. Yeah, exactly. Or your problem Black might be electrical. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nah, that's even it. electrical problems can be solved with a big enough hammer. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, a good mate of mine, uh, he's he's world famous for saying, if your biggest hammer doesn't work, your problem is definitely electrical. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but that was it, man. That that was me for the week. Now, before we get into uh, a few listener emails that um, I'm sure the writers in will be excited that Niels is pitching in on them, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Ben Cook, uh, who actually had to do a cross country drive, thirteen hours each way. And he marathoned the Forgecast the entire time. <laughs> legend. Start Definitely to finish. legend status. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, that is worth a shout out, I think. You must be totally <laughs> sick of our voices by now. <laughs> 26 hours straight of us ranting in your ear. God, That's you must it. be bored of us by now. Actually, Holy his only crap, complaint man. was on the way back, he actually was three hours short. <laughs> he, right, he ran so, out of podcast you know. ran out of podcast and had to listen yep. to music or something for three hours holy crap but you guys have been doing this podcast for what uh, we, we chatted about this earlier three plus years now yeah yep. yeah where yep. this is this will be what episode 148 or something because we have yeah, holidays every so often so that must all right so what we'll like need to do is uh, go for a record this will be a four hour podcast 
Quick, tell Sean he's running the shop today. <laughs> how how long did the uh, how long did the live episode go for? That was like three and a half hours, something like that. I think so. Yeah, uh, we have done yeah, a long man. one or two. We'll have to do something special for 150. But yeah. I don't think I can even talk for an hour, man. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I don't know. I I've could, seen your stories. I could talk underwater <laughs> with a whole game. But but those are short little bursts, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, several hundred of them in an hour. <laughs> yeah, but only when I'm really, right. really excited. And you're excited a lot. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't take much, man. It doesn't take much. My wife, my wife uh, constantly says I'm, I'm easy, and then I reply, well, I'm not cheap, but uh, easy? Yeah, I'll be. <laughs> well, you know, good, cheap, and easy. You can only choose two. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. We all know that Niels is cheap and easy. Yeah, man, I'm making notes of that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, listener emails. Our first one comes from Ben, and he says, Hey, guys, what are some of the uses for boiled linseed oil? I recently acquired some and wondered what it's good for, so I'll ask the pros. Have a great day, guys. Love the podcast and wish to press my lips against a Forgecast mug soon. (laughs) Oh, God, I remember that. Yeah, that's a throwback. <laughs> well, you're um, lucky because there is actually a pro in the house <laughs> for once. Boiled linseed oil has some surprising uses, actually. Uh, most people use it as a, a, a sort of a cheap wood finish, but actually, if your hammerhead starts getting a little bit loose, you can fill uh, the bottom of a bucket with boiled linseed oil and put your hammer head first into the bucket and leave it there overnight, and it will swell the wood inside the eye and um, solidify the, the head on the hammer. It will. If you use it 50-50 with turpentine, it'll sink a little deeper. It yeah, thins it quite a bit, so it, it goes up the capillary into the wood a bit more. So that 50-50 yeah. with uh, turpentine. And so I mm-hmm. do 5-litre batches, so 5-litre boiling oil, 5-litre turpentine, and then add 1-litre of um, coconut oil. Oh, yeah. Mm. Done. And that is that, is is that a, your moisturizing uh, routine? Exactly. And that is uh, uh, it, it reconstitutes the wood. So, take aside from just putting the, the hammer, like the head up to so let it stand up, fill the entire thing, dunk all your wooden tools in there, leave it overnight, um, take it up the next morning, sit it in the sun. It's going to bleed. In other words, uh, you wipe off the excess. It's going to then bleed and keep on wiping it off until all the bleeding has stopped. And there we go. It's like a an old school stabilizing. Hmm. There you go. I know. I know. Liam Hoffman uses like a wheelie bin with a lid, and he just sticks all of his axes in there. You know, cool. they just full up to the top. Yeah. So I do slockers, yeah. um, so big as uh, wooden mallets for bladesmiths, and uh, mm-hmm. the ones we bought buy, I buy them in bulk and reconstitute them. Um, is actual World War Two? Um, it was made for the South African forces in their. De- defense against the Rommel up in freaking uh, Egypt and it was never shipped. It was sealed <laughs> and I buy these up and reconstitute them and they increase 14 times in weight after 24 wow. hours. Yeah. Wow. That's some dry yeah, man. Sure. It's, it's like a, a balsa wood. It, it feels like balsa wood and once it's uh, reconstituted, man, you can while away um, on the anvil with that to get rid of fire scale and do... Uh, uh, bins where you don't want to damage your, your material and and and. Jeez, you'd, you'd save in shipping costs shipping them dry. 
Yeah, and the instructions, <laughs> do this. And 24 hours later, you have It's like a, those little toy dinosaurs you put in water. Oh, dude, I'm going to have to do an ad for that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the boiled linseed wall is, is absolutely brilliant. I, I, in that configuration uh, that Sam mentioned, I use that on everything and anything. Yeah. As a blacksmith, you also can use it as a finish on, you know, like wrought iron work. He, mm-hmm. um, you know, get your steel to a black heat, black heat, and then brush it on, and it'll burn on, and uh, it polymerizes quite well, so it creates a really thick finish that'll be. Uh, it's not tacky at all, which is good as well. Mm. Um, but it's really good for uh, protecting stuff that isn't going to be handled a lot. If it's going to be handled a lot, it wears off pretty quick. Yeah, it's I've good also for another, uh, outdoor stuff. So yeah. on the blacksmith thing. Um, uh tip from Mastersmith Lynn Ray uh when he was out here was uh on these X-ray Who? handles that he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you might have heard of him. Uh but the X-ray <laughs> handles, how he gets them completely back in a solid black on the inside is he, he wipes uh linseed oil on that and then sticks it in the forge. Yep. Actually a little bit of a public announcement about uh Lynn Ray. If you haven't already um heard his Instagram got hacked and he has created a uh, rather than try to save the old one, he's created a new Instagram profile, and it's just Lin underscore Ray underscore Knife Maker. So L I N underscore R H E A underscore Knife Maker. And this is the second time he's lost his account. He lost another yeah. one before before the one he had recently. It just, it saddens me to see one of the the greats have only like twelve hundred people following him now because of some yeah. dickhead that went and decided to hack his page. So definitely go and follow him if you haven't seen that and jumped over and followed him on the new page then then get on that do it so do it all right our next email comes from chris hendry and he says hey guys i am looking to upgrade my somewhat janky homemade 2x72 grinder and i have a question for you what are the benefits of having a vfd on a 2x72 as a bladesmith slash blacksmith i am trying to decide if the pros justify the extra cost Thank you for all you do. Still loving the podcast. I work nights and sometimes lose track of the days. When I think there should be a new episode of the Forgecast and there really isn't yet, I'm always bummed out. But eager as hell to listen once it drops. Thanks again for all you do. Your friend, Chris Hendry. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. So main benefit, speed control. Speed control. It's everything. Get to know your belts. Get to know your speeds. Well, you can go forward, you can go reverse, and you can play with the frequency, which is what yeah. the ability the to speed. go reverse is very, mm-hmm. very valuable. Yeah. Why? Also, um... <laughs> what's that? Why would you want to go reverse? This is, the sales pe- <laughs> this is the sales pitch I give my students. Yeah, I've never put any of my grinders in reverse. No, so no you way. have to redo the tracking and the whole thing and that belt. You got to put the beeping noise tracking. in when it's going in. Exactly. Indeed. <laughs> But anyway, I will say dude. one of the one of the advantages of being able to run a three phase motor off of a single phase outlet. Mm. Um, so like my my torque. my grinder has got a two horsepower three phase motor, but it's run through a single phase VFD. So because the frequency gets changed, uh, it's also a um, transformer, so it, it, t- it turns uh, single phase into three phase. 
Yes, oh. and you can also now manipulate the speed of that motor. What I mean with that is, for instance, in South Africa, power is at, well, uh, 220 volts is at 50 hertz. Yeah, So you can program yep. your VFD to go to 100 hertz. So you can double mm -hmm. the rated speed of the machine for whatever freaky reason. If that's your thing, then that's your thing. But as a knife maker, slow is good. Slow oh. is good, especially if you're a newbie and you're starting out. If you're using proper belts when i say proper belts obviously ceramics uh if you're still working on silicon carbides man you should be shot but anyway <laughs> slow ceramics ceramics cut better and cleaner at low speed you also don't run a risk of accidentally stripping the grit of your belt um if you're using african hardwoods like you would be if you're in africa or anywhere else in the world and you want a really nice quality shiny wood um then but anyway so any hardwoods uh, you tend to burn them if your belts are not perfectly, perfectly sharp or they start clogging on the slower speed. Your belts don't clog um, and uh, you don't burn wood. Done. Mm. And you, uh, like a mate of mine says, um, you can see a problem arising miles ahead. Mm. So if you're running fast, you'll screw up fast. Done. It's yeah, I mean, that. I, so, I run mine on 100 hertz when I'm grinding hammers and various other stuff where i just want to remove stock really quick yeah but the advantage and of the vfd is that you don't only run really high speeds you can run stupidly low speeds as well because exactly. you're changing your frequency and also exactly. those so, low speeds if you're using a three-phase motor you have the torque to run low speeds a single phase mm -hmm. motor doesn't necessarily have the the because of the way they work uh, they don't yeah. necessarily have the ability to tick over at those really crawling speeds Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, the moment you put any resistance on the belt, they just stop. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was way back in the day when I started. Um, I built myself a machine and uh, did the research, and uh, that was the first thing I did, man. Um, I put a VFD on. Done. That's it. Um, so anyone that asks me, I would go, why would you even consider a machine without a VFD? And there ain't it's nothing not with a, a somewhat a, janky homemade two by seventy two. Let me tell you. No, no, no. You no. can you can home make the entire body, but uh, spend the money on a VFD. That's it. That's it. You will thank me later. Done. You heard it from the expert, Chris. So hopefully yeah, that man, helps. If you want to get into chef's knives, for instance, anything really fine. If you want to get into razors and those good things, um, man, I'm going to call you stupid if you don't have a VFD. You will not be able to yeah. do a razor grind without one. As easy as that. Basically, spend the money now to save the money later. Because you will exactly. want a VFD at some point anyway. So stick that with could. your homemade janky 2x72 until you can afford a VFD. Then get your new one. We've, we've done episodes <laughs> before talking about doing more with less. Um, and there are certain tools that if you don't have access to them, you can make do with other things. But VFDs is sort of once you pop, you can't stop. You Once you've once you've gotten used to using one, you'll think that anything else is primitive. You'll scream in frustration. <laughs> Especially if you're running uh, those small wheel attachments. Yeah, uh, I call them mm. finger notcher wheels, those small little 20 mil, um, and even down to like a, a 3 mil little wheel. Those bearings don't last, man. They don't last, and they're not rated no, at the especially not that, high uh, speed. Yeah, so thousand, two hundred, thousand, four hundred RPMs. Those things aren't rated for them. So, uh, do you want to let your machine last, get good quality grinds? Then VFD is the way to go. Done. Yeah. 
Hopefully that helps, Chris. Our next email comes from Joe Martin, and he says, Hey, guys, I'm on my third time through the Forgecast and recently listened to episode 63, The Bizarre Forge Myths. Oh, you're going to like this one, Joe. You're going to like this episode. (laughs) Yes, man. He says, In that one, you talked about a guy wanting to pump pure oxygen into his solid fuel forge. Uh, The first thing that popped into my head was that that would cause massive amounts of scaling, not to mention everything else you guys already talked about in the episode. A quick question for Alex. In your charcoal forge, do you break up the charcoal? And if so, what is the general size chunk that you aim for? I also prefer my charcoal forge and generally just hit the large chunks with a hammer before dropping it in. Thanks for sharing all the information you guys do. Joe, uh, I like golf ball size. Mm. I think it's, if, it's you, you don't want it to be too big in chunks because it, it burns at irregular rates and allows too much air to come in. Yeah. I mean, I like, like- I, I follow the, yeah, dude, I know what Niels is going to say, but anyway, I follow, <laughs> I follow. We the all Japanese know what tra- Niels is going to say. I follow the Japanese tradition when I'm making charcoal in that I'll uh, cut it up into, like Alex says, about golf ball size um, to allow even e- heat distribution between the coals but also enough air can get through with it large enough. But if it gets any smaller than that, it's just going to powderize, basically. Yeah, it's about finding the balance of making it uh, the chunks burn for long enough before powdering away and allowing the right amount of air in without being too much or too little air. So stop clogging, allow burning, um, and golf ball seems to work. But let me tell you, if you're buying charcoal by the bag, no charcoal manufacturer does that anymore. You end up getting these things that are the size of like an American football and you're <laughs> yep. expected to work with this damn thing. Uh, so I will spend 20 minutes pre-breaking it and filling buckets uh, in the right size so I can just scoop in handfuls. Uh, I don't really use the a- charcoal forge that much these days, though. I'll tell you that. That's why I have apprentices to do it for me, though. I just, whenever I get new charcoal in, I just get someone to sit down and do the chopping for me. Yeah. Well, as as most people would have noticed, I, I, I used to do a lot of artisanal blacksmithing and I use the charcoal forge for that all the time because it's quite versatile for that. But since moving to full-time knife maker, I, I just use the gas, man. Um, my, my post box forge. And I know Neil likes his post box forges. God, dude, yeah. that thing just freaking rocks, man. But uh, mm. to get back to the question, um, what's the size that I like is about pencil size. Pencil size. Yes, because I draw with it. (laughs) (laughs) I I knew Niels was going to either make a drawing joke or the fact that he just uses gas and that's all. (laughs) Yeah, Niels got gas, man. Uh, The worst gas. I'm sorry. I've only ever ever worked on a a charcoal force twice, and that was uh, with Tian Burger, and he is an absolute master, man. When I met him, he was uh, doing mosaic Damascus using a charcoal forge. So it can be done, has been done for centuries. Um, Mm. I just don't know how. I I would say that there is nothing quite so versatile as a solid fuel forge, but... One one well-designed solid fuel forge can do the work of several types of different gas forges, but they're a pain to set up. They take a long time to get to operating temperatures, and then when you're done, they have a long cool-down time and maintenance, and you've got to watch them and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're looking for convenience because you've got limited time or you're doing it full-time and every minute counts, then you can't really beat the convenience of a gas forge. 
Well, it's, it's not just convenience. It's about controlling the environment and setting up the environment so that you can just do what you need to do. And that's Smith. And you don't need an extra personality that is now taught and has spent the time managing and learning how to manage a fuel, solid fuel source. Um, so for blacksmithing, yes. Coal forges, solid fuel forges are absolutely indispensable. You, you cannot get away. You, you cannot run a blacksmith shop, especially a large operation on gas. It's, it's just not efficient. Um, but when it comes to bladesmithing, where you want to control the amount of oxidization you have with your steel, man, gas is the way to go. It's easy mm. as that. Because you can control the amount of air that is sucked into the thing, which you cannot do with, uh, well, yeah, never say never. Um, but it's a lot easier to do. And you can obviously start working as soon as you light the forge, because flame equals a heat source. And uh, it's not about heating up steel, it's about adding energy to steel. If only we and knew somebody who sold that. a decent yeah. knife-making forge. Yeah, yeah man, but if it wasn't for shipping and the shipping costs out of <laughs> South Africa, um, I would have been flooding the freaking market. <laughs> here's, yeah, a, here's a question, Niels. Like, this is completely off-topic, but it's something I've always wanted to ask you. Forstair versus Venturi. Uh, I like Venturi. I must yeah. admit, I like it, uh, <laughs> because because it's low and slow, brother. Low and slow. Um, the um, like the Americans make, that listening to this like are going to hate me. No, it, it's, it's not that. If you're making Damascus and you want absolute just balls to the wall, freaking brute power, and you don't care about the oxidization of your steel, then by all means, man, I run a forced air forge that cost me about seven thousand dollars to build. It is mm -hmm. a monster of a thing. Um, I mean, even my my, my fan is uh, runs off a of VFD, so I can absolutely tune <laughs> that thing to 180 degrees, baking a pizza, or go to two and a half thousand degrees Celsius. In other words, melt titanium if I need to, or not titanium, platinum, if I really need to. Not that you really want to do that, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, but I have made crucible steel um, in that forge. There yeah, you go. So it. it it gets a tad hot, but like I said, it was an experiment. It was a prototype. Um, I will never build, go to market with that thing. It's just completely bonkers. Uh, I, it, it's nicknamed Hades for a reason. Um, <laughs> once that thing gets up to temperature, you cannot get in a meter of it, man. It is really, really ridiculous. You get up to Sam's workshop level temperatures. Yeah. Almost. Exactly, buddy. You just toss yeah. your bullet outside and go and stomp on it every 10 minutes and you've got a solid <laughs> world, yeah? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> no, hopefully that helps, Joe. Uh, our next email comes from Garrett Navarrete, and he says, uh, Hello, I wanted to get your opinion on purchasing a rolling mill. I don't think I would use it more than a few times a year. My main use would be rolling out copper alloys for folding knife scales, as well as rolling out wire for inlay. I didn't know if there was a good mid-range one that could work or if it would be better to save up and purchase a name brand one that seems to start around a thousand US dollars. Thank you and I wish you both the best. So I think you're meaning he's meaning a hand like a jeweler's rolling mill. Um, the cheap yeah, ones man. actually do a pretty serviceable job if you're just doing a weekend warrior stuff. It's I it's, have uh, I have an eBay I have an eBay rolling mill and I bought it purely based on the fact that it was two hundred and fifty bucks. And if it broke or if it wasn't good, then I wasn't going to be crying. Unlike if I bought like a two and a half thousand dollar Durston. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that thing has been amazing. Like yeah. I have, I have cranked on really hard. Like I've done some really hard runs on some copper with that. And it's been 
it's held up. Like it I actually have, is pretty good. I, I have price. the same one because I saw you get it. I've had it for probably three weeks now, and I was actually quite surprised at the build quality for the price. Well, yeah, you're not you're not going to get like Durston quality finishes no. or like you know accuracy out of it. It doesn't have any measurements on it or anything like that. But if you're just rolling out sheet, you're it processing does down Mokimagane and stuff like that. It'd be perfect. But now yeah. I have got a double stack Durston as well as three Cavlins. Um oh, and uh, I can tell you one thing: that thing is only as precise as the guy using it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of I'd believe yeah it. you stick a student in front of that thing; it doesn't matter what quality you get, man. Done that. <laughs> so, so I also have a an, an automated one, so a, a completely. Uh, Automatically, keep in mind, my, my wife has got a goldsmith training facility here. Um, and uh, being married to her for 21 odd years uh, kind of makes me a goldsmith as well. Um, and having to drive 45 minutes just to go and make a, a piece of plate or roll out or something or just make my own silver wire was not conducive. So uh, I kind of set up an entire studio at home. But long story short, it doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter. Um, cheap ass one or a really really expensive one if you are only going to be using it three or four times a year um, then go for the entry level done mm. it's mm. going to get it done the, the only uh, caveat I would have to that is do not buy the direct drive one buy the geared one mm-hmm. <laughs> I've, um, <laughs> I bought the, I bought the one that's four to one uh, four to one geared because I went over to my friend D Hedges place and she has like five uh, rolling mills and one of them was a direct drive, and she's like, just try this one. <laughs> it is such a pain to even do a light roll. With Frankly, a even the drive. four is to one will oh, yeah. know, it'll it'll give it's, you a workout. <laughs> it'll it'll give you some some gumption. It takes it takes a bit of an arm to get the four and one running, but yeah, no, direct drive, do not get them. Just get the geared one. Jesus. You should see a student. <laughs> trying to roll a piece of uh, fire, well, sterling silver that they've just poured, right? Um, mm. And they want to want to crunch down like a millimeter at a time. No, no. <laughs> a one-to-one roller. Don't worry. They, they, you, it's impossible to do. But <laughs> they are going to try. Say, yeah, they, sure, they, they will, <laughs> Dude, they will always try. Always, always, always. And then the rest <laughs> of the class will sit there. Ha-ha, this is it. You can see guys taking out phones, taking photos of the idiot with them. <laughs> <laughs> Get after it. So, on. yeah, to answer the question, man, uh, when it comes to rolling mills, uh, from experience with students, buy what you can afford. Done. Because there is a big secondhand market. And you don't have mm. to buy new, buy secondhand. Done. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're only going to be using it three or four times a year. Yeah. 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 And find and out you're doing like, s- how, how valuable it is to your, your shop. I mean, there's always time to upgrade yeah. later. But at least you'll have a rolling mill if you get a cheap one first. Mm-hmm. So, that's well, all hopefully I have to that, say about that. Hopefully that answers <laughs> yeah, your question, Gary. <laughs> and our final email for the day is from Bino. And he says, hello, my good friends. Sorry, Sam, this email may make you mad. I was listening to a certain man say that a Roman gladius sword made back in the day was made of Damascus and had fullers. I've been researching because I'm making one, but haven't found any evidence at all to support that. Uh, Alex, I loved your recent rant video on YouTube. I make not so great YouTube videos and really appreciated that video. You, on the other hand, make great educational content and I want to get there someday. And I will 
And I will the more times I listen to your podcast and videos from you and Sam, your friend and fellow Smith, Bino. Well, thank you. I'm glad you like the video. Every so often, you just got to have a rant publicly. I just have to stop popping you and say uh, one thing. Yeah, uh, from having done extensive, extensive research on numerous, numerous topics, um, that just because you can't find reference doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means that you have haven't found it yet. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to swords and and uh, combinations of blades and materials that we've worked in, blah 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 blah, there's always someone that's going to pretend to know more than you do. Always. When mm-hmm. I say pretend, and un- until it is proven, well. Yeah, uh, but anyway, there's always someone that has done it. Always, always. Yeah, always. I'm, and I, I mean, mean, I was, like, I'll, I was I'll, listening to. Sorry, sorry, Sam. I was listening to no, no, um, uh, that works uh, where Ilya was mm-hmm. was explaining, and you had uh, I can't remember the guy. Um, uh, they were talking about. Uh, oh no, I can't remember the freaking sword. Uh, but they were basically comparing uh, Indian. Uh, swords to and and blah blah blah. But long story short, uh, it ended up that ninety um, percent of this specific sword made in India carried European blades. Mm-hmm. The Tula. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, after go. after about eighteen after about eighteen twenty one, uh, a lot of Indian blades were replaced with seventeen ninety six like cavalry saber blades because they really loved them and they were easy to get a hold of. Exactly. Yeah, it was easy, it was cheap, and, and uh, the, the quality was acceptable. Done. Yeah. That's it. Um, as far as Gladii go, um, like, I have had to do a bunch of research around Gladiuses uh, recently because I'm making a Pugio, which is based off a of Mainz Gladius. I will caveat in my research. In my research, I have yet to come across a Gladius that has had a fuller, like any fuller. I have came across Gladii, which were from the early Iron Age and from the late Bronze Age, because you've got to remember that Gladius were used from the late Bronze Age through to, you know, like the evolution of steel. Um, They would have a center rib, much like uh, a lot of, like uh, a lot of proto-European Bronze Age swords would have. Um, I've seen modern interpretations of Gladius that had fullers in them, but I've never found an original with a fuller. As far as them being made out of Damascus steel, um, I have never seen evidence that they've been ever made out of Woots, and I have only ever seen them made out of wrought iron or, you know, some form of bloomery steel, uh, which would be pattern welded. It would be folded of some kind because in order to make wrought iron, you have to, yeah, you have to, you have to wrought it. You have to beat it with a hammer and fold it a few times. Uh, to get the impurities out, but whether or not they would be made out of what we would consider Damascus steel of any kind, I highly doubt. There may have been a couple of officers' versions that I'm not aware of that were truly pattern welded, because you remember that they were interacting with communities all around Europe and all around Asia, because you know Rome, the Roman Rome. Empire, was because huge. Rome, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no. In in from what research I've done. The majority of gladii that you will find will be either wrought iron or uh, early bronze or um, in the later stages, bloomery steel. And most of them were relatively inornate, so they weren't um, fullered or anything like that unless they were an officer's version, in which case I'd like to see the I'd like to see the pieces that they're referencing. But, you know, I have yet to see them myself. 
Yeah, because Gladius yeah. is sorry, I'm just doing a Pinterest uh, antique search. And uh, on my Pinterest account, I don't have any Gladiuses because I haven't had to do research on Gladiuses. Hmm. But uh, yet on the the media that I have access to, um, it, it had a center ridge line. Yeah, well, it's that's like a leaving over from the from the old um, Bronze Age where they had that center rib. Um, it's the to, inverted fuller. Yeah, it's got it's got an outie, not an innie. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> which and, and which I can the... I can imagine was a massive pain in the ass to forge in, like because like there was a lot of like early Iron Age stuff that tried to copy the design of Bronze Age stuff, but you got to remember that Bronze Age stuff was all cast. And so when they were forging this stuff, they had to do some weird stuff to make it look like a Bronze Age piece. Which Are you suggesting was a completely new unnecessary. Cast challenge? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> but if you want a good example of that, um, Joey Vandersteeg on his channel actually uh, showed the making of a socketed axe, um, which is an old Bronze Age style axe that was made out of iron. And he goes, the guy that was doing it, it wasn't Joey Vandersteeg that was doing it, it was um, the Museum Archeron. Um, he goes through how they would try and recreate the socketed axe um, as it was made in bronze in iron. And it's ridiculous, like pointless, but it also is really cool. I'm sorry, man. My, my uh, internet connection really sucks at the moment. I'm trying to access my account on the Wallace collection. To see if we're Australian, we we understand shit internet. (laughs) (laughs) But but it doesn't want to log me in. It's just got the little wheels spinning. Um, But I do have one on screen. But it is obviously something that Gladius was based on, and there's nothing Mm. that I can see. It's number sixteen. It's a photo that was taken in a museum, and this one does have a fuller. All right. Yeah. Done. There you go. Yeah, so five minutes of search, not even. And yes, there is one. Um, there is numerous decorations, so little punch lines. Yeah, that it would could have been be, an ob- could, officer's yeah, version. That, that could be seen as... Possibly fingers. ceremonial. I don't know. Yeah, look, all of those is ceremonial. It's decorative. And there's no guarantee right. that it was a Gladius that was made during Roman Exactly, because this is a tad short. Roman history... That's the title. But anyway, so, yeah, I don't know enough about that, but uh, just because I can't find it in two minutes doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm. Oh, no, of course. And like I say, I caveat that in my research, I have yet to find one, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not going to say that they do until I see evidence. (laughs) So that is episode topic is going to be Roman history and arms and armor. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. All right. Um, now, when that was um, an interesting question. Thank you for sending that. It in. was. I, I really yes. enjoyed that. Got me searching. Um, maybe that can be Sam's rant video. <laughs> <laughs> Since mine, you, you enjoyed mine, so now Sam have, needs to do one. I have too many rant videos coming yeah. up. Just, <laughs> just FYI. Now, as um, the person who emailed in joe martin said um he enjoyed our forge myths episode uh neil's actually came to us to suggest that perhaps we should do a bladesmithing myths episode and boy do we have some um we've been putting the call out to get all of you guys to submit weird crazy bladesmithing myths that you have heard and we're basically gonna rag on them for the rest of the episode 
<laughs> that is correct. And speaking of fullers, don't you know that well, the you fullers' mean... purpose is to help the blood flow out of the wound? No, yeah, you... of course. <laughs> See, now, now you're calling it by its name. The um, blood groove. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Blood uh, groove, uh, yeah. Paul McDonald on, on uh, my Facebook profile, he just said, blood grooves, just blood grooves. <laughs> the comments this thing sparked was absolutely <laughs> hilarious absolutely hilarious um so yes there is no such thing as a blood groove yeah maybe yeah. well according to me um there is no such thing as a bloody blood groove the human body is extremely frail and obviously you have not personally stabbed someone um there is uh, no real evidence not. unless you're going to stick your sword in someone's spine then you'll have to put your foot on this guy and pull it out yeah um or you've got a two meter piece of stick in other words a sword that is extremely freaking long that you're going to stick in there and then you're going to need help to get it up but the whole thing about there's a vacuum inside your body apparently because if you stick a blade in there it's going to suck and be stuck that's a load mm. of bullshit I mean, this is common sense. Yeah, but like we know, there is no such thing as bloody common sense. I actually have a poster in my shop that says common sense at Black Dragon Forge is classified as a fucking superpower. Sorry for me. <laughs> the, the, I know, we're, we're allowed to swear. Now, if you have uh, um, my good mate, Mr. Stuart Anthony Smith on here, yeah, all you need to get him, if you want to really rile him up, just say, brother, I understand you'll make me a sword with a blood groove. He gets an instantaneous left eye nervous twitch. <laughs> it would just disconnect the call. Go, oh, man. Yep. So, Blood now, I don't know where it started, but damn, it sounds romantic. So, I have to, without knowing anything, I have to blame Hollywood. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. Hollywood. Speaking of the blood that would freely flow down that groove when you stab somebody, um, one of the myths that was sent in to me was that iron from blood can be used to make swords of higher carbon content. <laughs> like quenching it in blood. <laughs> did, you, did you ask the guy who sent it to you what he was smoking? Because that must be yeah. some really good shit. That man. that kind of falls. That, that's actually a group of that's a group of myths that the quenchant can help with carbon content. Because mm, like I've heard carbon, yeah. used I've heard used motor oil quenching in sugar, quenching in like literal just carbon, just quenching in like charcoal. Or quenching in blood will add carbon. That is we should, not how we should steel start works. one. You've got to quench it. You've got to go <laughs> quench it in green pine cones. That's that's what you're yeah. going to do. No, 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 yeah. no. Sorry, you, you need to quench it in the blood of a red-headed virgin. Is another <laughs> one that came up. Apparently, I heard and the urine add... of a red-headed virgin. Well, yeah. blood urine. <laughs> I mean, you mix both of them together and you get like a super quench, don't you? Well, exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, I'm just going to say bullshit, busted, whatever. No. Have yeah, you tried? The, not... quen the quenching medium is there uh, to draw out the heat of, from your steel yeah, and, and mm. let the steel do its thing. And as we will all know, you know, having done research into how steel takes up carbon, because we're all that kind of nerd, mm -hmm. uh, steel requires time at temperature inside of a very carbon-rich atmosphere in order yes. to take up carbon. Like, it can't just take up carbon incidentally over, like, short periods of time. It needs 
hours in order to yes. take up decent amounts of carbon. So, so on the on the sugar myth, uh, the sugar thing, um, I know that uh, uh, Green Beetle did a video. Yeah, Green Beetle actually did a case hardening in, video where uh, he did it. exactly. So, yes, there is some truth to it, but uh, quenching in sugar, quenching in old motor oil, um, yeah, man, yeah. no. <laughs> If no, you if my, my whole argument is if you're going to put your name on that blade, yeah, you want to use the good stuff. Yep. Speaking Don't. of quenching in the good stuff, um, one per, one of the myths submitted uh, in my questionnaire was that my mank tank can cure herpes. Uh, that is a myth. It will give you, it'll give you herpes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It'll honestly at this stage it'll probably give you three stooges syndrome where it'll like it'll so reach many... it'll reach out, grab you by the wrist and pull you in at this point. <laughs> and and give you every one of the, the STDs available on the market and then That's it. The new ones. And some new ones. Yeah. I'm pretty sure both the cause and the cure of coronavirus is in that <laughs> Another brilliant one that I heard was um, that Damascus should always be odd layers to increase <laughs> strength. <laughs> to increase strength, that was brilliant. Uh, it's not um... <laughs> actually. That's that. I, I got a, a a myth saying that Damascus is superior to Monosteel. Oh, Ugh. dude, it's only only guys that want to sell you some of the Pakistani made Damascus that'll come yep. up with shit like that. That's right. Yep. And the more yeah, layers yep. in Damascus, the stronger it is. Uh, <laughs> like the. Arguments around Damascus for me annoy the crap out of me, especially recently because I've been making so much Damascus. I'm getting a lot of this in my messages, mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, is it like does that make it stronger or like how how many layers is this? Is it going to be like folded a thousand times? I'm like, if it was a folded a thousand times, it may as well be a fucking mono steel. Yeah, but I, I, <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you watch that Alex Steel video where he made the million layer katana? I think it yeah. was. Yeah. And the yeah. poor guy, like I'm, I'm like, there's gonna be no pattern. There's gonna be no pattern. He did all this work, and he got over yeah. a million layers. He couldn't see the pattern. <laughs> well, no, because it's basically homogenous at that point. Yeah. Like, it's exactly. Exactly. Like I was talking, I was talking to someone who asked me about. But it was the first a brilliant exercise, delay. right? It was. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I watched that video, like, and I went and did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but I cut sections off as I as I went mm-hmm. along, and uh, at about. 230 uh, layers it looked brilliant yeah mm. absolutely brilliant and and aside that's from the, the sweet fact, spot i think and about 240 yeah. layers is yeah. ideal i like it in I my like it. in my current sword billet like the one that i made that ended up not being a sword that's got 364 layers in it but it's got a number it's got about uh 12 layers of really thick black lines uh interspersed with a lot of thinner like uh, lines so you're gonna have like a 200 layer effect but also some really thick black lines in it and people were like well why can't you just cut it up and restack it with some more material and i'm kind of like because at that point i would have well over a thousand layers and the pattern would just disappear (laughs) so another one um, i had was sorry man i get asked this quite often so every time i make a mosaic bullet everyone wants to know how many layers it is and then Mm -hmm. Good luck trying to explain that one. <laughs> it's not really a count of layers at that point. No. Mm. No, my wife has got the saying, which comes from yoga, is um, as soon as the student is ready, the master will appear. Mm-hmm. So I kind of work, rework that and saying, when you are ready to for the answer to make sense based on experience, the answer will make sense. Because mm-hmm. if you tell a newbie, 
10 million times, this is the way you should be doing it. And until he has uh, actually battled and done the research and understand the background why, then done. So on Mosaic Damascus, stop asking how many freaking layers are in there. Yeah? Because <laughs> it's probably why... only like four. <laughs> Which I, is I... why in the Mastersmith daggers, on like for Mastersmith judging, a lot of the time they don't allow Mosaic, uh, or at least I was told that, because... There's supposed yeah, to be no. a layer count. There's supposed That's to be a layer another... count. So, so no, uh, it is no? based on no. If you have a look at well, I've, I've extensively researched uh, Master Smith submissions. Well, six, I would guess uh, yeah, for the last odd four or five years. <laughs> and uh, brother, if if you really seriously want to flex, then uh, Mosaic is the way to go. Eh? Oh, there you go. I have Damn been con- I have been corrected. But I think it is it is pretty much a thing of how many mastersmiths you went and spoken to, how well-known you are within the ABS, um, mm. how confident the guys are that you can actually make the Damascus um, and that you're not trying to just hit the bottom of the bar to pass. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because mm-hmm. every, every journeyman smith I've asked, uh, like what I should do for my journeyman smith set, all of the journeymen have said, just do the bare minimum. Like, just, you know, make it super clean, make it super, like, easy. And every Mastersmith I've spoken to has gone, go fucking nuts. Just do exactly. anything you want to do. Make them scared of you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So the best advice I was given is show different construction methods. Show mm-hmm. different skills. So do a 90-degree plunge. Uh, do a 45 forward slanted plunge, or not a 45, but but not just a plane straight up parallel to the guard. Uh, do mm-hmm. a rounded pun- uh, plunge in, in multiple uh, radii in the plunge. Uh, do a flat, do a convex, do a concave, do a flat guard, a sculpted guard, a, uh, on the different handles. All's going to be hidden tank or a uh, flat tank or a full tank um mm-hmm. but do a sculpted one like a, a fish tail traditionally used on a on a, like a i don't know a bowie and then do a sculpted mm-hmm. one i did a, a eight-sided one and a half sculpted half not sculpted flats on the side blah, blah blah so just show multiple finishing and sculpting techniques and and that'll do it and obviously those knives need to be super clean man yeah, and I'm not talking about Cleanliness putting it in the steam cleaner. Yeah, fit and finish. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Wait, putting it in the steam cleaner doesn't allow you like. Yeah, you can, and... man. I I that, had my knives in a steam cleaner. Knives. What steam no, I, cleaner? I, I put and mine leave in, them the, outside? in the drawer. Dryer. Yeah, and they shrink. <laughs> <laughs> right, that was oh, another question I was Ford's, asked. That was a question I was asked a couple of years ago. Can can. Um, my knives be stuck not in a dishwasher, but in a tumble dryer. And that uh, threw what? me for a six, dude. I <laughs> seriously, now obviously, the person asking me just got mixed up um, and asked me whether I can put my, well, whether he can put his, or my knives <coughs> in a tumble dryer. And I go, what? Well, pay me for the knife and you can do with it what you want, but I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> don't, don't you love getting he, a question where you like... He looked at me like... like I was completely stupid and, and then realized what he said. We all had a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't you love getting a question where your answer is like, in order to answer this, I need charts and about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I need a whiteboard no. and four different color markers. <laughs> all right, so I, I'm yeah, going to throw out question. another one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Uh, so aligning your knife with magnetic north when you quench is a Avoid sure way to prevent warping. Yeah, I got that one. Sure. <laughs> sure. I think so I'm going to go I, out I on actually, a limb and say not true. <laughs> I, I I looked into this one because when I put out my my uh, the question thing on Instagram, I got this one about eight times of people saying this same myth, and so I read up on it. And the logic that people use to actually justify this is that while the steel's hot, it's past its Curie temperature, it's non-magnetic. So when you are quenching it, you're making it magnetic again. And mm-hmm. they think that you need to align it with the poles in order to make the magnetic magneticism happen the right way. People I mean, legit, There's whole forum posts with people describing this. Are you I want to get the so, charts again. I want to get the whiteboard again. But but hold on. Then the magnet on the side of your forge will have an impact. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. you now have to what quench two hundred kilometers away from your freaking forge so that the magnet on the side of your forge. You is just got to you got to offset. You got to be like a north north by northwesterly. And just the the main thing at least <laughs> for me was, can you imagine a dove just flying in circles? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Because if steel was that easily affected by the magnetic force of the North and South Pole, yet we wouldn't have any fucking birds flying in a straight line. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but I mean, like mm-hmm. all of our buildings would be leaning over towards the magnetic North or South. Just but, you know. didn't they? And do dogs that wouldn't know already? which way to face when they poop. Have you heard that that one? That the dogs <laughs> always faced east when they poop. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, not, not, not my can, dogs. No, not mine either. <laughs> no, not mine. <laughs> oh, okay, it's another myth. <laughs> um, actually, speaking of animals, I got probably the weirdest myth, bladesmithing myth I've ever heard before. Although, if I find out that this is a real thing from you guys, because you guys know a lot more about this than I do, I'm going to be shocked. But there was a tradition to make superior steel by crumbling it, feeding it to geese, and then reclaiming it from the guano. <laughs> And reforging it into a billet, <laughs> you're like like the Kopi Luwak of steel. <laughs> I would love to see the source on that. I would I would love to see the historical reference. <laughs> Honestly, having having researched historical steel making methods, it would not surprise me. <laughs> like I have seen some weird I'm, I'm... shit that people have done to make steel in the history. It would not surprise me, but I have not come across that one. I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Step ducky, one, duck, duck, get duck. some geese. <laughs> yes. And now, would, would it matter what type of geese it was? Yeah, well, of course. Right. It had to be, you know, purebred Canadian geese. <laughs> the ultimate cobra chicken. <laughs> I can just imagine some, some black... So that's where cobra there. steel comes from, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some bladesmith sitting there eating some foie gras one night and he's like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> I've got an idea. I mean, just go, go. Here's another one. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not a. It's not a myth. It's an actual thing. Um, uh, in the fifty dollar knife, I believe it was in the fifty dollar knife shop. My memory serves correct. No, it wasn't. Uh, I can't remember why. Where I read this. Where the first guy, imagine. All right. Uh, the first guy to go and relieve himself was on a blade to etch that blade. What must have gone through his head? 
Mm. My fairy chloride is a bit diluted. I'm just going to take a leak on this blade and see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... And it worked. If you had chili the night before, brilliant, (laughs) right? I don't know if chili will actually make an effect, but uh, I I don't know. So, yes, I I can see where this might be a thing. I don't know. Like Sam said, people have tried weird-ass shit over the years, um, through the ages. So... That might be plausible. I don't know. <laughs> well, I I highly doubt it, just purely because it's geese. Like, wh- if it was any other animal, I would believe it. Was the like guy who peed on it a red-headed virgin? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm 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 thinking it was it was one of the original five, right? Uh, so the the guys generally associated with the the term father father of bladesmithing i can't remember what bill moran if i read this bill moran um uh man yeah i can't remember where i read this but it was a thing it was a thing and all i kept i mean this is what i still to my mind is thinking what goes through someone's mind thinking you know what i'm so desperate i'm gonna piss on this blade and see what happens and what do you tell your clients urea and like there could be some digestive juices in there so like some very 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 diluted hydrochloric acid in there let me tell you though i have been busting so hard sometimes that i could fix a warp with some of this my stream <laughs> <laughs> and a twist yeah um actually I, I, one of the myths that got sent to me is not a myth at all it was sent as a myth but um mm. that Swords have been made in the past out of, uh, you know, before steel was invented, made out of asteroid steel. And yeah. actually, Tutankhamun's dagger was mm. made out of asteroid steel. And it's the yep. first known historical steel blade. And it was hundreds of years, thousands of years before steel was actually made in the normal way. And it's yeah, but strikingly it's, um, well that... preserved because of its nickel content. Mm. Because and, meteorite uh, is I mean, incredibly high in nickel. Yeah. Space steel. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wanted to recreate it until I found out that the entire hilt was made of gold. Yep. Solid 24 karat gold. And then I thought, nope, not doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can always make it out of brass. I'd also have, I was thinking maybe Nordic gold, but then I'd actually Nordic have to gold, get yeah. enough meteorite to do an entire blade, and I just I don't have that kind of money. Um, which actually is another uh, myth that I got sent, is that uh, being a bladesmith is an easy job and you can get rich from it. That's <laughs> a myth. <laughs> the, best way to, the best way to make a million dollars as a bladesmith is to start with $2 million. <laughs> that's that's a- right. That, and, and then and a week you later, you'll you're doing. have bought your equipment and you'll, you'll have lost a million yeah. dollars. <laughs> That's it. Uh, although I also got sent the myth that bladesmiths get all the girls. That one's absolutely true. That is yes, entirely is. true. That and is confirmed. absolutely 100%. true. Yeah. 100%. Uh, there was another uh, one that came through that says, uh, uh, knives go blunt if you leave them unused for too long. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like I bananas. Mean... They go bad. <laughs> Okay, hold on, just for a second. Carbon steel knives, if left, no, no, untended, it just says knives. Knives. I mean, will go you know, if used, if left unused, unused for too long. Well, I mean, how long is too long? A couple of decades, and eventually it's going to rust. And yes, it will be. You'll lose your apex a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's but, just stupid. 
<laughs> I mean, no, like, they're I like mean, they're it, like gremlins. You got to feed them every so often, otherwise, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you feed them's dropping compound. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I mean, yeah. I'm just talking talking from a purely fucking bloody minded literalist and like interpretation yes technically if we left the knife out for a couple of decades in the sun eventually it would be blunter than when it started doesn't matter what steel it's made of but no in the general terms no here's a uh, a myth i got sent that'll spark off a discussion i'm sure forging is superior to stock (sighs) removal because of edge packing Now, now we're going you're back to the Don Fog days, right? You're compressing you, the steel. You are welcome no, you're, to you're... pack that right where you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so let's let's just use a bit of logic out here and saying, look, uh, if we could affect the molecule structure of any material, yeah, we would be referred to as alchemists. There's only one molecule mm-hmm. difference between lead and gold, and that's what alchemy has been about from day one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so if we can affect the molecule structure of steel or compacting the grain by hitting shit with a hammer, hmm. Now, if you go and read through a $50 knife shop, there's an entire chapter dedicated to this. But in that, it is described how you should be doing it and with the reducing heats, blah, 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 blah. It's just a matter of the guys not understanding the science back then. By using reducing heats and uh, forging forging the blade doesn't didn't have an effect at all hitting the shit with a yeah. hammer just gave you a very nice surface finish that's it so you spend less steel time on the grinder but the reducing heat in- <laughs> that's what reduced the grain structure yeah normalization yeah but exactly. i mean the, the thing is, is that steel is an incompressible mass like it's an incompressible solid you cannot mm-hmm. compress it like if you were no matter how high a pressure you put steel under it will not compress it will simply move and I explained so, this in my video about um, grain structure, recent video. I, I used diagrams to explain how it works. I saw that. You bait yeah. my brain hurt. <laughs> Actually, I was trying to simplify it. <laughs> part of, so part of the issue with this is that it actually has a kernel of truth. And that when it is when it comes to using shear steel and bloomery steels, where you have layers of material that have, you know, various granular structures and stuff like that, uh, and a lot of impurities, is that you need to forge that to shape in order for those grains to follow each other, because they're very linear, they're long strands. Uh, And so when forging swords and stuff like that from shear steel, it's important to have those grains following your edge and being packed down, you know, not not so much in, in like, granular structure inside the steel itself, but in getting rid of as much impurities as you can in the forging. So there is, like, some... If you were to try and draw that material out, you may, like, tear it apart like a che- like a, a stringy cheese. It's um, less, you know, it's less, less um, uh, evidence for it and more uh, maybe evidence of where that myth came from originally. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm aiming at, is the, it's not evidence for the actual edge packing. It's more of a... This is why they may have thought about it. But if you order a pristine bar of 1084 steel from nordicedge.com.au and you forge it to shape, it will be no molecularly different to if you vegan knife make it. Yeah, unless you overheat it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so don't do that, boys and girls. Don't do that. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, so uh, let's um, move on to the next one. What have you got, Sam? Oh, God. Okay. 
Um, railroad spike. I know. Railroad spikes <laughs> make brilliant knives. Yeah, that's I mean, a long there's your answer. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can say mm. I have seen some really spectacular work with uh, um, with railroad spikes. Mm-hmm. So you can you can pretty up anything, and the, like the Mistbusters yeah. proved, um, you can actually polish a turd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say there are different grades of rail spike based it on doesn't the type matter. of it's rail not a that it's used freaking for. Freaking knife but, steel, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but and this is this is what I'm bringing it up because. Um, the, it's a it, you know it's a myth. It's been submitted as a myth, and when you read into the discussions about these myths, these are the justifications people say. There are different grades of rail spikes. Some work, some don't, but none of them are knife steel. No. Yes, so you you could also say that uh, um, I don't know the the U.S. railroad. I don't know if this is in in Australia the same thing, but in South Africa, mm-hmm. I kind of would see this as a myth where they would use knife steel to make railroad spikes. Therefore, I can then use the railroad spike to make a knife. Yeah, it's not true. We've yeah. all seen people make a knife out of a railroad spike, but I haven't seen many people forge a railroad spike out of a knife. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So don't be the cheap ass bastard. Go and buy proper steel. Speaking when I say of, proper uh, steel, I mean proper knife steel yeah speaking of uh, mystical properties of steel um how about those myths of japanese swords and their mystical properties cutting through gun barrels and all that splitting sort of, and splitting bullets midair no no that uh, can be done but you could do that with mild steel yeah i saw a video on youtube where a guy shot a spoon with a yep. lead ball uh so a, a lead <laughs> bullet and it split the freaking bullet yeah that's yeah, why. So that's why have... I always loved the forged fire. It was like slightly the, uh, bent, forged in but fire. didn't break. That's, that's why I love the uh, forged in fire, like the the, the bullet split test. Oh, I have dude. literally seen people split bullets with butter knives. Like I mm-hmm. personally have split bullets with butter knives. But no, no. Keep in mind, because... forged in fire, yeah, is not a training program. It is there it to is sell entertainment. Yeah. So I also know, like, a good mate of mine, blades... uh, Matt. Was the guy that won that episode? So Matthew Boxen, mm-hmm. uh, season one, episode yeah, yeah. one, blah blah blah. Yeah, so Matt. Yeah, but a client of mine took one of my knives and went with a forty-five Colt and shot the fucking thing. Brilliant video. I sold hundreds mm-hmm. of knives extra. I sent him a new one, <laughs> saying, "Hey, send me that one." He was in the states at that point. Send me the knife. I got it, and then he took the new new knife, put it on edge. And shot it from the yeah. side. So the broadside of the knife on the edge and the edge just deflected. Which was brilliant. And based on that video, I sold an extra hundred couple of knives. <laughs> which was absolutely just brilliant <laughs> marketing. And once again, thank you. But to get back to the myth, man. Yeah. Uh, so what was the question? Japanese, Japanese swords. swords and their capabilities. Oh, cutting through Hollywood. gun barrels, etc. Hollywood, man. I want a Kill Bill sword, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Damn weebs. I'd, I'd prefer that sword from Highlander that can cut through like concrete pillars. Yeah. So there's the one that was shot on edge. Oh, lovely. That's a good nice. keepsake. Yeah. I know, right? How long ago that, is that from? Oh, this was <laughs> about five years ago, maybe six years ago, because I don't make this model anymore. 
Yeah, right. The the thing that always confused me was the the amount of Smiths that, when faced with the the bullet split challenge, would be standing there like nervous. Yeah, like oh, I don't know if it's gonna survive. I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> if an explosive it... tipped round, maybe fifty cal. <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, fifty BMG, sure. Fifty BMG, yeah, no, like I'd be worried. But I'm, but I'm fairly confident if you take your knife and you just slap it, so an edge down, slap it on a flat piece of iron. Uh, just still just slap the blade so that let's call it 60 percent of your edge actually contacts if it doesn't break then then well you should be yeah, safe you're safe mm-hmm. yeah but um but it no, was a I brilliant mean, test yeah that was yeah. a brilliant forge and fire test i thoroughly enjoyed that involuntary it's, it's amazing how many people though see forged in fire as training and will look at it and go well i saw it there so i'm going to do it what you're not realizing is that it's a show that is designed purely for entertainment purposes. Exactly, man. So much so I'm not allowed to watch it in my house. And they'll let anybody I got, on. <laughs> I got very I got very sick of um, answering the question. Oh, have you seen that show, Forged in Fire? At like all of the events that I've done recently, like the Perth Knife Show and, and uh, when I was displaying at the Royal Show last year. And I was like, uh, yes, yes, I have spoken to several of the winners on my podcast. <laughs> and judges. <laughs> yeah, and judges. Yes, I've, we've spoken to Joe Nielsen. We've had Jay Nielsen uh, on here. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's like, yes, yes, I am aware. I'm a knife maker. Like, none of us aren't aware of Fortune Fire at this and point. It, what, what I found works really well, right, is if you go and you, you super nerd on that guy and you say, look, uh, if you ask you, have you seen Fortune Fire? I'm saying, yeah, dude, did you see episode, uh, season three, episode mm. 18? <laughs> where they did this and that and that and that and season so and so and episode that where they did this and they just look at you like you're completely fucking crazy <laughs> you said how does that feel buddy how does that feel <laughs> i like to bring up the, I, I just turn it around and ask them about gilmore girls have they watched gilmore girls you know yeah. Saying, yeah. How, how can you think i'm doing this as a living right and then not watch the the most on a single program that's done the most for bladesmithing uh, in mm-hmm. the world in the last fucking what's it forever? Yeah, will I not have watched it? <laughs> yes, of course I've watched it, man. Damn it! <laughs> and I live in Africa under a rock, and I've watched it. <laughs> Does a one-legged duck swim in circles? <laughs> no, but apparently, a, apparently a dove does. It flies in circles. Yeah, does yeah, a yeah, dove so quench its blades in true nerve? <laughs> here's here's a myth that I hear a lot: is that super quench will harden mild steel. Yeah, I get that a lot. Oh. it's like but that is so super salt. quench. Yeah, yeah you make. Super I think it's, quench. Uh, Dawn dish soap, water, and salt, I believe. They think you forgot about like, myth. Uh, you forgot about the teaspoon of mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah that's probably. the one too, yeah. yeah. And the yeah. and the urine of a redheaded virgin. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one. So no. No is the answer. No. Uh, I've got another one for you. Um, <laughs> you charge that much for a knife, you must be making a killing. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. totally. Only if I use them. On other people. <laughs> yes. 
Because that's the thing. Yeah. People, people come in at this point in your knife-making journey and they say, wow, you have all of those tools. You must be making an absolute killing with your knives. It's like, no, I've been doing this for a long time and I started with fuck all. <laughs> yeah, when, when guys walk into my shop now, I've got a couple of million rands worth of rands, South African rands. So probably like $5 worth of kit in my shop, right? <laughs> that I have accumulated over the past 13 years when it's knife-making specific. Other things mm-hmm. I've been collecting for like 30 plus years. I just had yeah. to build a big ass building to fit all my crap in. I'm actually a hoarder. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like when I. Um, when, when, when guys when walk into the guys... shop and they go, I will never be able to afford this. So I can't make a knife. I'm going, dude, no, 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 no. You don't. <laughs> you don't need any of this to make nope, a knife. Yeah. You need some of it, when but I was not t- all of it. When I was teaching students, I never let them in the finishing net and shed. I even never even showed them inside the finishing shed. They were just in the forge where there was just a homemade charcoal forge with a hand crank blower and and just basic tools because that's all they need to be experienced that you need. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I, I, everybody starts out with a bit of rail track and a club hammer, and it's you go from there. I'm already that's getting myth, you know. Yeah, well, just, I'm, I'm already getting the inevitable messages about, oh, I wish I could afford a mill. And it's like, do you have any idea how long I've been saving for this damn thing? <laughs> yes. Yeah, to the, to the <laughs> original <laughs> point, you see, you go to knife show and you, you see like tables with like Bruce Barnett and stuff like that. He's got like a $1,700 folding knife. Mm. And you're like, oh my God, he must be rich. And then you're like, I'm like, yeah, you know, how, how long did that take you to make, Bruce? He's like, oh, two weeks. And, you know, it's got like a couple hundred dollars worth of handle material on it and all this kind of stuff. When you work it out, he's making like fucking fifteen bucks now. <laughs> if he's <laughs> you know? lucky, yeah. This is like, yeah, yeah, rich as hell, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Would you don't you don't, you don't get into knife making to get rich. Let me tell you. Yeah. No, but, you um, don't. You get into knife making to uh, to to I don't know, uh, spend money uh, systematically. Yes. Yep. <laughs> to. To earn just enough to to maintain slowly maintain your tool collection, yep, <laughs> and not go insane in the process. Oh crap! Here's one that uh, man. If this is a myth, someone just made this up. I don't know, but this is brilliant. If I leave a piece of carbon steel on a stove at the right temperature and for the right amount of time, it will become stainless. Oh god! What, <laughs> what the fuck? Good answer, Sam. <laughs> the fun. My brain sometimes breaks with the shit that people come up with. I'm getting my charts. I, you know, like, I, <laughs> oh, I thought oh, the... Hold on, I, hold on. I this is the quick pumping... fire round, right? Here's another one for you. I thought... um, the, the ancient blacksmiths went to their graves with the knowledge on how to make Damascus steel. <laughs> metallurgy as a science is for fool for fools uh feeling the steel vibrating in the fire is the real indicator of time and temperature and feeling the fucking steel vibrating <laughs> you're supposed to lick it at a bright that's orange why, heat that's why there are so many female smiths now i understand <laughs> Oh, that one it's, was funny. They just stick the steel in the fire and they just fucking you know, wait. <laughs> most, here's another one. The most brilliant answer to how do I go from making knives one one one? Uh, what is what would give me the biggest success when going into production? 
best answer was uh, hiring a forge. Uh, hiring a dwarf in your forge will double <laughs> your output overnight. Yep. Can mm. confirm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Uh, another one I'm was still, if I'm you just... leave a dull file out overnight, the wind and the rain um, then will sharpen it. <laughs> what, like it mm. rusts away and gets sharp? Yeah. Well, that's like sticking it in sulfuric what? acid and saying it's going to be sharper. And then I've someone replied saying you can speed up this process by soaking it in vinegar. No. Yep. No, don't do that. There is a myth that you can sharpen files by putting them in acid. It's bullshit, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's bullshit. Well, if you use hydrochloric acid, you will get rid of uh, the oxides. So it'll make it all bright and, and the shiny file again. <laughs> yeah, so, so it'll look new, but a file is uh, consumable. It's like, I don't know, no one is washing their sandpaper to hope and pray that they'll be go sharp again. No. Maybe I'm just... Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, man. Okay, so now we, we I've gone into... I'm sorry. I'm going to shut up now. This we're, is now going to happen. We're going to have to wrap it up anyway. We've, we've gone on for long enough, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave you guys with the... Two. Hold on. I'm going to leave you guys with the most brilliant one out there. Right. A good mate of mine. Uh, Better Nico than the... Stovetop stainless? Oh, hell yes. Um, started a rumor when he was polishing a knife, right, by using uh, mayonnaise as a lubricant as opposed oh, to God. oil or whatever. Got him, get, got him to a brilliant finish. So, in other words, a mirror polish quicker. And uh, I can promise <laughs> you that in South Africa, the sale of mayonnaise the next day fucking spiked. Oh, really? Oh, I had guys phoning me up asking me, have I tried this? And then I go, yes, I have. And it works like an absolute charm. And people, <laughs> people were posting photos on Instagram. with, And I, I specifically said that I only use the brand Nola, Nola mayonnaise. And that the, oh, the fancy man. brands doesn't really work. It has to be the tangy, original tangy mayonnaise. And people were posting photos and convincing themselves that they got a better fucking finish on their See, plates. You, you did it wrong. You should have invested you should have invested in Nola first. Yeah, that's right. Before pulling this and just just like made millions. Dude, I can promise you that if I do a video, right, of me quenching in mayonnaise, you're gonna have smiths no, all uh, over the fucking world trying that shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's a video of uh, Peter Johnson and uh, Cedarlaw Forge, Dave Delgadell, and Dave all um, and, and a bunch of other Smiths all quenching in um, spreadable cheese. So, I mean, <laughs> now obviously I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> no, what what I do is you you break a little one of those little uh, packets of two minute noodles flavor sachets into your quench tank. <laughs> And it just makes the smell in your workshop amazing when after yeah. that it, it heats up. It's just great, wonderful. Or you, or you do an Alex Steele and out a your bunch of tea bags. Just just clean <laughs> out your quench stack, fan. No, but that's why it's the bank tank. Get so I, one I don't with have a the small to, leak. I, I don't have the heart to do it, Niels, because I saw something move in there. I think I've created life. The <laughs> Loch Ness monster has now moved in. You're It's like you know, you know, in Star, the original Star Wars, A New Hope, when they're in the trash compactor and that little eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Dude, I, that I should be a T-shirt. Like that should be a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, my mank tank with that eye. Exactly. More like MIB where he opens the fucking locker at the train station with his entire yeah, little that's city. Right. <laughs> Trails, right, man. But gentlemen, right, this guys, has been right. fun. I, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed this. So for boys and girls watching or listening to this, yeah, um, don't try any of this shit at all. No, please um, don't. I feel this episode should come with a disclaimer. Don't try this at home. Really don't. The only thing I regret about this episode is I know what my comment section is going to look like on every photo and video I do for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's just all going to be all of references to this crap. And I'm, That's right. Yeah, yeah buddy. Fold it, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Did you now, pour sugar one... on your blade before you quenched it? Did we cover you that came. one? You, we did. Um, oh, we, yes. we, you definitely shouldn't try any of the myths that we talked about here, but one thing you should try is this month's Forgecast challenge, and that is to make a set of single-piece clippers, scissors, like thread-cutting scissors, all from one piece of steel, um, and post photos of them on Instagram using the hashtag, hashtag #ForgecastChallenge because we want to see them. They are harder than they seem, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did promise, because next month we are entering into another two-month competition for uh, instead of a Forgecast challenge, and I did promise that a week before we announce what it is, I'm going to tell you that, something that you need to do to prepare for it. And here it is. You need to find a partner. You are going to need. You don't need to be next to each other. You can be across the other side of the planet if you want. But this is a team exercise with teams of two. So find somebody that you want to pair up with and prepare. If you only have two really sucky buddies, can you do three? No, <laughs> they have to stand stand on each other's shoulders and wear a really long overcoat. Okay. <laughs> It's, it's Sulu and Sean are going to be just cruising around like really wobbly with his long overcoat. <laughs> okay, so what, what's the actual challenge? Or is that coming up? So you just give that's them coming up. up. We're not announcing it you yet. Find yourself a all right. You have to find, find yourself a, team a member. partner. Oh, a team yeah, member. This is our first that... partnered challenge. I thought you mm-hmm. guys are going to organize a mass marriage thing. Find yourself a partner. <laughs> you have to have a partner in two months' time. <laughs> so you only That's can the listen ultimate. to the Forgecast Forge from two months from now. You can only listen to the Forgecast if you are engaged or married. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, it's another so, myth. But for now, uh, this this month it is to make a set of single piece clippers. Um, so if you don't know what they look like, we have posted a photo on the Forgecast Instagram. And if you're looking for the Forgecast, you can find it on Instagram and Facebook under the Forgecast. And if you have a question you want to email into the show, send it through to ask.forgecast at gmail.com. And where can people find you, Niels? At Black Dragon Forge on Instagram, uh, blackdragonforge.com, my website. And uh, well, here in South Africa. I thought yeah, that would be under a Black Dragon. Under a rock. There we go. <laughs> Hashtag blame the black dragon. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you there the, as well. The rumors that he has a secondary Instagram profile that's at Dagger Daddy is a myth. It's one of the myths. 
from this episode. Yeah. Might not be by Hasht- the time that this airs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hashtag Daggy Daddy. Yep, do it. And where can they find you, Sam? Um, you can find me at Samtown's Blazemith on Instagram, Facebook, Etsy, YouTube, Patreon, Redbubble, eh, the kitchen sink. I'm everywhere. How about you, Alex? I go by Valhalla Ironworks, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, and Patreon. That's about it. And the Forgecast. <laughs> so uh, thanks very much, Niels, for coming on yet again and being our most regular guest on the show. We look forward to the next time. Gentlemen, uh, Alex Steele. Uh, Alex Steele. Damn it. <laughs> Not yet. Have, have you guys... Hold on. Hold, hold on. Sorry, I, I was thinking about him and Will earlier. Have you guys approached them to be on the show yet? Multiple uh, yes. times, never gotten through. We really, I will have to we, chat to both of them. I imagine that they get so many people messaging them constantly that we just get lost in the noise. But we would love to have both of them on. Yeah, but now, obviously, both those guys getting an hour out of their day might be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so we might right. have to do organize a mini episode. Yeah. How's mm-hmm. that? We'll do we'll we will work around them. We have had okay. so but many aside of the from fans that, message us. Serious? Yeah. Maybe we, we should get start const- a petition. constantly requested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, yeah. you guys rock. Thank you for having me on. Um thank you for entertaining me. It has been absolute fun. Always no, a you. pleasure. All right, and everybody else, we will see you next week with another wonderful episode. Catch you later, guys. Bye.